Hi, everybody, and welcome to IGA Twin Cities Podcast, episode number 15. Today, we have with me, your host, me. I'm Ryan, and I have, uh, as always, my sound guy, Tori. Hey! And um, we're down a man again, or a woman. Jackie's out as w- again. But in her place, I have two people that almost stack up. I have with me Zach Wint. Hello. And very special guest, Andy Korth from Howling Moon Software. Hello, everyone. All right. Well, I invited Andy and Zach today because they went to GDC. And so we'll be talking about that in a bit. But first off, I want to know what you guys have been up to. Well... Yeah, I guess it's been uh, pretty busy for us. We haven't had much time to go over our GDC contacts and actually talk to anyone that we met because we've been uh, doing contract development. We've got three contracts between the two of us, uh, so that's where all our time has been. You know what? I I should have introduced you a little bit better, Andy. I'm sorry. Um, well, and I can give a short synopsis. Yeah, you're you're like the king of... Of Howling Moon Software. Well, so uh, Howling Moon Software okay. is myself and Scott Lemke. Uh, it's a partnership, so yeah, I don't know if I'm a king, maybe. And uh, we do uh, a mix of iPhone development, iPad development, uh, and Unity games. Uh, we wrote the Chipmunk Physics Engine, so a lot of the work we do focuses around uh, physics uh, development. Uh, contracting part of a physics game for someone, uh, things like that. Yeah, I think that's pretty neat that that Chipmunk was de- developed locally. It's neat talking to you guys at the at the meetings and stuff. Very interesting. And um, for any listeners that don't know, um, Chipmunk two dimensional physics engine, super powerful, right? Yep, it's a two D rigid body physics engine. Um, it's either Chipmunk or Box Two D. That's basically our only options, and we've put a lot of work into making sure that it's a good option for the uh, mobile markets, because there's you know the you've got tight performance constraints, and two D physics games work great on uh, platforms with a touch screen, so it's a popular option. Yeah, you see it. When you search for it, you see it ported to everything, and that's not necessarily you guys porting it to everything, correct? I mean, you right. let it free into the wild, and it's kind of got its own legs yeah, to it's, some extent, right? It's, it's open source, and it's basically straight C, so it, gets, it ends up getting used pretty much everywhere. Uh, like some of the weird hardware would be like Nintendo DS, and uh, it's been on the Wii, the PSP, so those kind of mobile platforms... And, yeah, the Wii is kind of a mobile platform in its power. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, and people just kind of take it and they'll use it anywhere. And a lot of people will port or make bindings for other languages, too. All right. Well, what, like, um, you know, what have you guys done with it that would be, like, your your top of the list there that somebody might have heard of? Um, I think uh, we... Ha- we haven't uh, played big roles in any of the major hits. Um, some of the number one... It's, it's been number one on the App Store a couple of times in games like Zombie Smash. Uh, games like um, Feed Me Oil used it. Uh, I Dig It. And a lot of other games that you've probably heard of. Um, 
use chipmunk. Where we've been focusing are, uh, are the Objective-C bindings that we sell to developers and a set of extra features that make things easier for iOS people and people who want uh, advanced functionality like automatic terrain generation, things like that. And uh, that makes it easier for developers and we kind of sell to developers rather than making products ourselves. Okay. Well, you have made a couple of mobile games, though, with it, right? I mean, doesn't... Yep. Um, we uh, we started out kind of doing that. Uh, Twilight Golf and Cranball were our two kind of games, but, you know, we don't really like doing the whole marketing thing. <laughs> so that was the end of that. <laughs> I, was surprised, yeah, the... <laughs> I was surprised to hear that it got ported to Wii. Do you know off the top of your head what titles used it? Uh, yeah, Night Sky, which was one of the downloadable games or whatever. In the uh, the the Wii store? Something like, yeah. I don't really follow the Wii stuff. Yeah, and the, awesome. the DS games were homebrew, but hey, it runs on the hardware, and that's some weird hard- hardware. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> rough. I'm surprised. Yeah, it's still pretty neat. You got your your tendrils out there in an extreme way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and Twilight Golf, it's a pretty decent game actually. It yeah, it's it, it's looks good. And it plays is. Good. Thanks. Uh, unfortunately, it's pretty old now, so it doesn't. You know, it's not Retina graphics and things like that. And uh, it was the first game that we ever saw that did real time shadows uh, on that early device. Now it's with a much greater power. It's not quite such a challenge but it had some uh cool stuff i think uh it didn't really have the right kind of look and feel to be an iphone hit and it didn't have the right like marketing power well it's so hard to get a ball rolling on with that stuff too yeah all right well what else what else have you been up to i mean i know you went to gdc but we'll save that you've been up to anything else um, yeah, it's been, it's been contract, been mostly contract work. We're working on an educational application, uh, by at play music, um, that teaches students how to play the recorder. So that's pretty cool <laughs> well, because the, uh, yeah, the guys we're working with are extremely talented guys who have all been doing animation, um, you know, offline animation. So it'd be rendered, um, television uh, that you know has that kind of Pixar look to it, so we're they're working now making iPhone assets for us, and you know there's some challenges getting the models to work on you, the mobile you, platform. The, the, you got this this uh, this particular contract from uh, contacts at the IGDA meetings too, didn't you? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Scott. Yep, Scott Gaff. And, yeah. Uh, it's uh, pretty cool. It looks uh, really great compared to a lot of other uh, iPad games in terms of how many polygons we're pushing and the quality of the models. Boy, I bet you have a hard time managing those artists, though, don't you? It's uh, they they had they were pretty surprised by the polygon budgets, but they've been uh, real champs about it. <laughs> the other caveat is that the. Uh, your avatar is someone you can dress up your avatar. So um, they're creating assets that have to be, you know, torn apart and uh, re-strung back together, you know, stuck back on a rig and making sure that all the, 
you know, your hat and your shoes and your shirt, your pants, all the, all that lines up and uh, animates properly. So it's a very different technically from what they usually do, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds fun, actually. Cool. So, yep. Well, it's good to be busy, especially if you're uh, you're full time. Yeah, very busy. <laughs> awesome. Do you have any time to play? You been playing anything? Um, just a little. Um, you know, I bought Mass Effect Three, and I only played it a little just because of the time constraints. And you know, that's a game where you have to sit down and really get into it. And I bought SSX. Um, which I had a lot of fun with, although, man, I don't know how it stacks up to, uh, you know, SSX3 or SSX Tricky. Have any of you guys played the snowboarding games? Tricky yes, was amazing. Yeah, 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 I love Tricky. And the new SSX, they kind of they kind of took it in a different direction. So they've got some uh, really contrived plot where <laughs> it's got a plot. Yeah. <laughs> It's and like those they, comedy movies when you're like, don't have a plot. And they like, the last third of the movie, they try to wrap it up. And it's like, just do funny stuff. It's just going to be so much better. You got story in my snowboarding game. <laughs> yeah. You got snowboarding game in my story. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, exactly, that's exactly the problem. Uh, and the story is basically, we're obligated to have one level per character. And there's so many uh, characters. Hmm. And that's kind of the story. Gotcha. So you go through and you uh, complete all the levels. And they managed to do it in such a way that you don't get attached to any characters <laughs> at all. Do you need I mean, to, though? No. Well, see, at least in, like, SSX Tricky, I, you know, I think they had a little bit of personality because they had voices. Yeah. yeah. I feel like in SSX, they're just, all, they're just hollow shells. And okay. they... The game and the narrative kind of entirely happens within these weird pre-rendered scenes. Um, some of which are, you know, in the in the comic book, moving comic book style, which is pretty common nowadays. Yeah. And the rest of it is just some other strange pre-rendered stuff, which it just feels like they kind of farmed it out. So, um, how much how much did you pay for it? How soon did you buy it when it came? Oh, out? I bought it release day. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Um, well, me and a, a co-worker who's also into the SSX uh, kind of series, he, he waited like a week, week and a half when it dropped to like 40 bucks. Did so it drop probably... that quickly? Yeah. Well, we ended up in this big discussion about how games, they sort of fall off so quickly, especially games like, well, like Mass Effect 3, it's not going to fall off. Right. But SSX, I... you can buy for like 30 bucks now. But look at all the... The big, big uh, Christmas titles, they're all 30 40 bucks. Yeah, exactly. They do fall off, of course, but SSX is one of those ones that, um, that fell off relatively rapidly. It, See, I, I, I guess I had un- the impression it was bigger than, I, than it might actually be. You know, like, the bigger the game, the longer it stays at that top price point. Yeah, exactly. That's why every, any decent game on Wii is still full price. Because <laughs> yeah. probably a Nintendo product. Anyway, no, not to totally derail a conversation there, because that's a, a topic for a different day. But um, I was just wondering how soon you jumped on it, and that's that's great that you got it right when it came out, especially if you're super interested in it. That's the way it should be. So, and actually, let me ask you about that though. I was reading some kind of preview a long time about it. 
about how they use like satellite imagery mm-hmm. to make a lot of the maps. How did that how did that feel or pan out in the game? Man, yeah, I you could have fooled me. I mean the le- <laughs> the level all right, so all the levels are really good, but when you mm-hmm. when you think of, you know, tricky levels, they're completely implausible mountains. Right. Right, yeah. And so are these because they wouldn't be fun yeah. if they were just <laughs> Yep, it's yeah. a more or less normal slope. I mean, look so, at that. We looked at reality to get inspiration. Hey, let's yeah. use that as a marketing tactic. <laughs> right. I yeah. don't know what they're actually talking about when they re- referred to that. And the other, so the level design is generally really good. The thing I don't like is that there are nonstop pits of doom. Oh, sure. So, and, and that includes a lot of blind jumps that you end up making. So you make a blind jump and you say, okay, I missed the landing zone because I couldn't see that I was supposed to be aiming to the left instead of the right. Oh, sure. Um, I have the, the game also includes a rewind mechanic. You hold down the bumper and it rewinds you so you can make the jump again. I am really curious if the need for the rewind mechanic grew mm. out of the... Uh, you know, bottomless pits that you fall in, or more like, more likely, they said, "Oh, look, we can rewind the map. Let's make a lot of bottomless pits." Uh, the disadvantage: so when you hit the rewind button, everybody else keeps moving forward. So if you have to oh, rewind gotcha. a five-second jump, you're now ten seconds behind everybody else, and you're guaranteed not to win the race. So it kind of yeah. works against you too, I guess. Yeah, you might as well just restart over and save yourself the time. See, that's too bad, because when I remember SSX Tricky, like, I feel like the rewind would really take you out of the experience, because I just remember kind of cruising down and hearing your board carve, and it would, like, kind of become Twilight, and you're just kind of in this kind of aesthetic of a game. And I feel like that those blind jumps would really take you out of it. Yeah, they do, and it's uh, it's it's just frustrating. I mean, the ex- I guess the expectation is that you memorize every, every slope yeah. and where they are, but... That just doesn't make for as fun of an experience. Yeah. It's a strange direction that they took that. So I feel like in Tricky, you still had to memorize slopes, but it was to get the most points. In it, I mean, you could just kind of bumble your way down. Right. But you, you could have fun without memorizing them. Yeah. When you're falling in pits, you're not really having fun. Yeah, exactly. So I was largely disappointed. I had I had pretty high hopes for it, though, I guess. Yeah, there's a big following for it, I know. I, I played uh, the PS2 one, which I think is 3. And um, I thought it was pretty good. My my time was really spent playing um, Burnout 3, though. When was the first one released? Was that PlayStation 1 or 2? Uh, it, man, I don't know. Tricky and SSX3 were both PS2. Those were the only two that I played. Here, I got one of these internets here, I'll look it up. But I remember it being a launch title very early for a console, and it was like the best game for six months. But um, That rewind mechanic is its a dangerous thing. Like, uh, it completely broke the new Need for Speed game. Yeah, actually, I was going to mention that. It was like in some big race release. Yeah. And it was, that was Need for Speed? Yeah. It sort of didn't um, make sense because I did the demo and I'm like, oh, look at me, I'm rewinding. And that's because I did I, I did 
I remember playing with it too, just to see how different the physics were. Where I rewound and then hit somebody in the in the butt, you know, bumped them, and it mm-hmm. ended up different every time, for good oh, or bad, weird. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. in the racing game, does it rewind your opponents as well, or just you? I think it was you as or them as well. Yeah, it, it is them as well. It's a single player game, um, but okay. there's some kind of a penalty attached, and then you only get five of those before you're out of the race and you start over. But it just it it's like you said. Um, when they have that crutch, they just make these unfair, terrible things like, oh, you went through the fence and you went off the side of the cliff, and now you get to watch an amazing <laughs> explosion, the best thing you've ever seen in a racing game, but you're angry the whole time. <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it has a lot of effects on the game, and uh, most of them don't seem to be good. Can't just willy-nilly add a rewind mechanic to your game. Now it can make it can make a lot of sense. Is like uh, remember Prince of Persia did a great job of of using that rewind mechanic. Yep. But but that's that's all based about skill uh, of navigating versus being thrown at not be not being able to see what's getting thrown at you. Well, it's so like a rapid retry now is almost what it is. Sure. They implement yeah. in a way that that's supposed to take away frustration of little mistakes. Yeah. Which I can see potential for being you know useful, but. Yeah, that I mean that seems to make a lot of sense, but it just changes the way you end up making the levels too. Yeah, it actually would have a cyclic effect that could be could be negative. And I, I suspect, uh, at least in the Prince of Persia, I mean that was the thing of the game, the rewind, yeah. rewinding time. So maybe they put a little more thought into it. True. Well, it had a puzzle element to it too, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Braid did that really well too. Braid did a creepily interesting job of, of yeah. its mechanics. Yeah. The other place it it works great is in the pretty serious racing games where you're racing for twelve minutes and oh. you mess up once on the last turn and you throw that all away. It's just way too frustrating for most people. That's true. That's true. Reminds me of the eighties. <laughs> So I looked up uh, the original SSX here. It, it was a PS2 right after launch. Because yeah. Wow, uh, they must have really been churning those out. <laughs> to, yeah, I think so. It was like <laughs> the only game we played for three months straight. All right. Well, uh, let's move off of Andy. Hey, Tori, what have you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> Um, actually, it's been pretty insane, but a couple of things I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing Conclave, which is, uh, it's not really an MMO, it's kind of an MMO, but it's uh, an asynchronous-based RPG. Uh, it's pretty cool, it's in beta right now, um, in Angry uh, Birds in Space. Oh, what's, yeah. What's the platform for Conclave? It's just HTML, or okay. I assume it's HTML. So, yeah, well, um, you'd, yeah, you'd mentioned it last month. Yeah. And uh, it, I mean, it 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 feels a lot like Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so you you can play with your friends or with uh, you know people or something like that. And there's different things where you can choose what you're going to do, like vote on something. And then uh, then there's little combats, and the combats are all asynchronous, which I I think they did a really good job. And so basically, you'll you'll do a move, and then it will wait for the next person to do a move, and you'll just get an email when it's your turn again. And so, I mean, you can all play it in real time. It'll go really fast, or you can just kind of wait throughout the day for the combat to keep resolving itself. And 
they did a really good job and I'm really impressed by it. But now I'm waiting for new content. Um, Angry Birds in Space, actually supremely impressed by that game. You know, uh, I did, I did want to talk about that as well because I, I'm I'm pretty sure I've gone off on Angry Birds a little bit on my on in the podcast before, <laughs> and I will say that that the space one is has has engaged me much more thoroughly than any of the others. So yeah, oh, it's it's just it's amazing how much that that one thing completely changes the gameplay. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely neat. It's still got that whole the the problem of a physics thing going chance. You, you, yeah, yeah, where like no matter even if you shoot it in the same place and it's a different result because well, yeah, right? It's you know whatever write it off for, but it actually comes down to the way the engine runs. Sure. Um, yeah. So you end up doing the same shot three times until it actually makes it three stars. Right. Right. And I'm frustrated with that, but I'm still going for the three stars. So I've made it through the first two planets <laughs> all three stars, and um, oh, I must have played the. Not to totally derail you, but the just today, the, the the end boss of the second Ice World, he's this like stupid pig that flies around with arms on a little <laughs> spaceship, and um, there's like TNT on the ground, and I I must have done it like twenty times, just sort of randomly shooting birds, and it just so happened that this one time, every random event that could possibly line up did, and I got three stars out of it. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that I could definitely see that being kind of frustrating, for sure. Um, oh, and then I've been playing this little uh, mobile MMO called Skyfall, which is in beta, which is which is actually pretty interesting. Um, I won't go too much into it, but check it out. It's free to play. Um, and the new Super Mario Brothers just finally got that, and I've been playing that with my wife, and that game is so well designed. It is... I'm so impressed by the... Um, That's the multiplayer the one on the Wii? Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, it's pretty hilarious because um, it, it kind of balances out having more people as more chances to stay alive, but it's also more chances to screw yourselves over. And it's fun and frustrating all at the same time, but never gets you, it never drives you too crazy that you want to quit. Um, well, it all depends but, on how you play it, too, because you, really, you can really, like... And part of the fun is being a, you know, sort of mean to your your playmates. Yeah, <laughs> it can be kind of some of the fun, but yeah. Uh, actually, well, my uh, brother-in-law came over, and um, he's pretty good at games. But so we were all playing, and my wife snuck up behind him, picked him up, and threw him in the lava. She's like, "Oh, that was so satisfying." <laughs> <laughs> so that was yeah. So, but yeah, I'm really impressed by the game design. Um, and then, um, where was Whoa. I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Drox Operative, one of the games I'm working on, just went into alpha. It's, uh, it's a space game, and really excited for that game. You, and, you're doing uh, audio for it? Is that what you mean? Yeah, doing like, okay. yeah. Yep, doing audio for it. And that's Soldex's fourth game, I think. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And so, yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. And then I started teaching last week at IPR, um, Audio for Video Games. How did that go? So, I survived it. Um, you survived it? All right. I was very, very nervous the first day. And uh, just learning the whole process is very interesting. And coming up with, I mean, there's already a curriculum, but it's pretty pretty bare. And so I'm just kind of adapting to learning how to make lesson plans. and, and um, But it's nice. Class size is very small. Um, 
So I, I'm liking it a lot. So, all right, you have to tell me if I'm picturing this right. So I see like this like auditorium with like theater style seating, and then <laughs> and then you walk in with like um, big, you know, ten gallon buckets on your feet, and you just stomp around. <laughs> <laughs> and every once in a while, you like roar at the audience. <laughs> That's about it. And then I just speak Great. in strange yeah. voices. Yep. So and then now, you say if if you guys weren't recording that, you fail. Yeah. <laughs> out. Out of here. Out. So, um, no, it's great. The students are all very cool. Um, it's a max class size of eight, and there's actually five. So it was really oh, good nice for me. Size. as a Yeah, exactly. And we, it's, it's all um, in a lab. Uh, so we get to monkey around with stuff. And so I'm learning a lot really fast. And I, I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. So that's been keeping me super busy. Yeah, I wonder what it'd be like to to teach adults versus teaching eight year olds. Must be very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it definitely you, is. You've only had one class. Uh two. I've had two. Two. Okay. Yeah. Is it a one night a week thing or? It's a twice a week for two hours. Okay. So that's cool. Yeah, right? pacing is another big challenge. So I'm learning. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> but by teaching, I'm learning a lot. Yeah, right. That's well, they teach you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cool, man. So, That's awesome. Yeah. How about uh, yourselves, Zach? Let's do Zach. Okay. Well, uh, I've been traveling a lot, and uh, in between working furiously long days, mm-hmm. and um, on the plane there, I was playing some of the. Um, Metal Gear, let's see, that'd be Metal Gear Snake Eater port for 3DS. I never played the original. Um, and I still don't like Metal Gear games, even if they're in 3D. <laughs> but uh, it is pretty impressive uh, just to kind of see that on a handheld. Sure. Do you like the 3D effect on there? I do. Um, it's kind of fatiguing trying to hold it at the proper distance and angle and all that. But uh, I do like it. And when I turn it off, I miss it and turn it back on. You know what you need is you need to like borrow one of Bob Dylan's harmonica holders and, uh, <laughs> and rig it rig it for the DS. Well, they have those hats that you can buy that just you can kind of your... clamp it to your skull. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then you got to push the button so you could uh, almost need like a remote. Yeah. Shoot. And um, the other game I've been playing is uh, finally got back to playing Batman. Uh, Arkham City, which is amazing. I actually sadly bought it back in November um, and haven't had a chance to play it really. But uh, yeah, that game's great. And everybody agrees. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that one yet. The The only thing I don't like about it is um, it doesn't feel real plausible as, as a place because the whole premise is... Um, they just sectioned off a portion of the city, and it's all full of bad guys. So, oh, gotcha. you can still be a, a good guy and swoop down from the sky and beat the crap out of a guy standing in the street because he's a bad guy. So there's just these roving thugs, and um, that makes it a little. You just kind of beat up everybody who moves. Yeah. Yep. And and that kind of takes it out of the living world aspect because sure, it's just sure. a little bit too two dimensional. But everything, everything's just spot on. The combat, the story, the side missions. And, and everybody's really shiny, right? 
<laughs> Shiny and dirty, both. Yep. It's unreal. Yes. It's unreal. That That's striking, too, because they tried so hard on their uh, their characters, and it falls short of, like, the Capcom engine, the Capcom engine and so on. But, uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to. So you work in, like, super long hours because you were on vacation so much? Or? Exactly. That's okay. kind of how it goes for me now. Um, work a whole bunch before, leave for a while, work a whole bunch after. <laughs> um, and wonder why you, you left it all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the first trip was GDC, and then the second trip here was uh, just family, going out for spring break, going out to San Diego. Just for fun, or were you visiting anybody? Uh, my brother-in-law lives out there. Okay. So we saw, saw him some and spent some time at the beach and went to Legoland. Nice. Cool. Oh, man, I wish they had one of those local. Yeah, that'd be good. The, uh, the, there's a new Star Wars uh, Lego exhibit, I guess, um, and just kind of mind-blowing what they do there. Um, you know, they set up battle scenes like with, you know, 50, 60 characters on each side and oh, recreate cool. scenes from the movies, and then some of them are physically moving and playing music oh. and stuff. And it's uh, all outside under the baking uh, Southern California sun. <laughs> Right awesome, on. man. So, what right. you, Ryan, your turn. Um, yeah, I've been pretty busy. Feel, as always, feel real busy. Um, I've been, me and my friend Bill, we've been prototyping a game, and um, Unity did that release where you could, uh, out of GDC actually, where you you got a Android, um deal so you can actually build unity games to androids we started making a android game and it's just a little two-dimensional runner but um it's going pretty good we got a good sound guy hopefully <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have an in there um, but it's you know it's real interesting because like anything that the 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 prototyping has been really let me just say I've been up to 3 3 a.m. numerous nights <laughs> and can't pull myself away. So, and and one of those nights was like trying to debug why something was happening and mm. and then it ended up because I just I undid something and then did it back and it was like essentially the same as a recompile. So, oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah, one of those. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was like phantom. So, Stuff was being spawned. I had to do pooling because it's a mobile thing. And my first 50 of my pool were coming in. They were being instantiated, but instantiated as not active, which is Unity. So they basically were there, but not there. And um, could not figure it out. And changed my pool size. And then when I put it back, they just magically worked again. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Yay! Uh, restarting Unity is usually a good call when you run into something you can't explain. Oh, but it was just, oh, it's nuts. Yeah, pushing it to the phone that way. and Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's been really neat. Um, we're suffering from that, like, we're out of that, 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 like, wouldn't this be a neat idea? Look at, I made it. It works. You know, we got flames <laughs> and buildings that tip and you're running and you're a firefighter that has to spray out fires or jump over them in a two-dimensional kind of, you know, running style rooftop game. 
And now that we've got like the basics down, it comes down to you know making levels, and we're like, hey, you know what would be a fun game? <laughs> 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 so <laughs> we're talking about other games now because the fun part of it is sort of over. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Okay, there's that. Um, Minitron, I'm going to mention again only because I did update the website, but I haven't updated the cabinet. So it's still a piece of wood sitting in my basement. But the website says is there. So Minitron.com. Um, and I've been actually playing quite a few games. So, um, Zach, did you ever play uh, Deus Ex? The, the new second one? one? No, not yet. The new one? Third one. Third the third one, one yeah. Not bad. Human yeah, Revolutions. Yeah. Human, it's one human. of the mini games from Christmas that I own that I haven't played. <laughs> yeah, me too. So I finally got around to playing it. and um, So it's got this stealth mechanic to it that's pretty interesting that I remember like Batman like really engaging it. But it's one of those decisions you can do in, in, De- in Deus Ex. And I just find myself just doesn't matter. I just run in guns blazing. <laughs> that's how you play every game. Yeah, it is how I play every game. <laughs> don't have time to sneak around (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it um batman i will say the the first one the arkham asylum i did really enjoy the stealth in that one but um deus sex i tried and i still feel bad when i shoot security guards (laughs) i really wish like when you search their dead bodies for loot like, you would find their wallet full of kids' pictures. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really wish that was there, because I just know it would just tear me apart. Because <laughs> I'd just be like, no, these are people. <laughs> and so, you know, in this whole story, the whole time I'm giggling, because it's like, it's a, it's basically comes down to, like, the murder of a few people. And here I am breaking into somebody else's company and killing all their security guards. <laughs> and I'm supposed to, you know, get mad about a couple murders that they did. <laughs> anyway, I really else? enjoyed that game though. I, I I thought they did a really good job of you know giving you the option of you know killing everybody or not or you know it's one of the few games where you can have multiple paths that are all actually viable. Yeah, I I do think it's pretty neat. It's kept me playing. But so did you kill everybody or like a mix of both? Uh, I did kind of a mix. Um. Yeah, I did. A, I did a pretty good mix of just kind of doing whatever. I, I didn't go for a lot of heavy weapons or anything like that on my playthrough. Yeah, I'm really not liking the heavy weapons in that game, actually. Um, um, I do yeah. like my silenced pistol. That's my weapon of choice. Right. No yeah. The, and, the, ex- uh, the exploding revolver is pretty good too. How do you guys oh, feel? Yeah. How do you guys I feel do. about the boss fights? I was going to mention that. Hate. They I suck. hate this game. This game is the worst game <laughs> in the world. It's uh, so bad. It's so dumb. Um, <laughs> so Ryan Schaefer, uh, he loves this game. He's played through it like four times. And so one night he gets an angry uh, message from me, and I'm like, this game. This game just is the worst game in the world. <laughs> and he's like, shame on you. And I'm like, it's so bad. And so it turned out I got into this boss fight not knowing it was going to happen. I had like sniper rifle and sniper rifle ammo. Yep, yep, that's what happened to me. And uh. And... I will. The only credit I and, can give and the this stun game rod. Is, oh my God. <laughs> the only credit I can give this game is that it has a save at any point you want. So the first twenty tries at this, where I just absolutely failed, um, from then on, whenever I shot this woman in the head with my sniper <laughs> rifle, save. I got another hit, and eventually, <laughs> after like an hour of pickpocketing bull crap, 
you know. Yeah, and and the time it takes to load is terrible. Uh, I, I I was sitting there and I was writing down. I was timing it with my phone and writing down the times and you know just like two minute load screens, which what is long you... enough for me to whip out my phone and uh, to play <laughs> another game. What were you? What did you play it on? You must have played it on a console then. Uh, yeah, Xbox. Okay, yeah, I'm playing it on PC, so it's not oh, as bad, but it, it's still yeah. Well, to the point where I'm saving so dang often. I just finally just oh the boss fights are bad. It it ruins uh, the game. So so did you guys hear what happened about the boss fights? Yeah, I read the postmortem and GDC. Yeah, you want to fill them in, Zach? Sure. Well, they uh, they got stuck in a corner. They had to outsource them essentially. Oh. Yeah, they uh, outsourced it to you know totally different group, and uh, the game had ended up changing drastically between what they had sent the boss guys to do. So when uh, they sent back the boss fights, it didn't, you know, match at all, and they basically had to rewrite it themselves. Um, that and yeah, if you're you know a full no kill stealth, you still gotta kill the bosses. Yeah, it really would and bug you. you. Might not have any weapons that are useful <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, and uh. <laughs> so yeah, the the boss fight that I had trouble with was um, she had stealth armor, so she was invisible. And she would run at you and explode. And if you tried to use your hand-to-hand combat maneuver, she would kick you in the face and then machine gun oh, yeah. you death. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it, was, it was really, really bad. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I'm, I'm about fed up with it, though, because the boss fights are definitely troubling. But well, there's, there's only four of them, though, in the whole game. And the last one hardly counts. So I've done three, I yeah, and um, so I was complaining to Ryan about how much trouble I was having, and he's like, "Do you have any uh, landmines?" And I'm like, "No, I drop them because they're useless." And he goes, "Oh no, they're not." <laughs> and so this last boss fight I got into, I must have had like eight mines, <laughs> so I just ran backwards throwing mines, <laughs> and and what do you know? I won in like three minutes. I'm like, Sweet. <laughs> Stupid game. <laughs> stupid, <laughs> stupid game. <laughs> anyway, that, and then um, I've been playing a lot of mobile. I've been playing uh, Swords and Soldiers, which actually it came out a couple years ago, but it just hit Android. I'm not sure even how I got it on Android, but have you guys ever played that? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, no, I haven't well, heard of it. Uh, it's pretty decent. It's like a two-dimensional, you know, send your tanks at the other guy's tanks kind of game. Mm-hmm. Real time or turn based? It's real time, yeah. It's but it's you know you've got guys with swords and they've got you know guys with um, blow darts and you know whatever. It's better than I'm making it sound. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good mobile game though. It is pretty good. And then um, Temple Run just came out on on Android, so I've been sucked into that because it's got that stupid coin mechanic that makes you need to buy things. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway cool, that, cool. that's that's been my uh yeah, my we, last month we met the guy who did the uh man i think he did the android i think he just did the android port of uh to, um temple run at gdc really cool guy to talk to uh also did geodefense and uh tiny heroes hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it was 
great talking to that guy who's very uh been in the industry a long time knows a lot of stuff knows a lot of people a lot of stories yeah i'd i'd really like i'd love to see statistics on a game like temple run especially where it's free it's you can play the game and you earn coins and it's just got this thing where because it sucked me in where i got to i got to run more so i can get more coins so i can get the power up to get more coins <laughs> yeah. you know and yeah. i'm like why am i doing this i don't you know, but you do it because it's sort of this, it's, it's well done, I think, but it's got that, that mobile thing. Now the freemium, you know, pay for sure. extras kind of thing going. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be paying off. Um, cause like for instance, instead of actually running and collecting another 500 coins, you can pay a dollar and get 500 coins. And I'm, yeah. Well, I think, I think that kind of, strategy is probably hitting our, our generation pretty well because we all kind of wish that we were playing uh, console games or, or like PC games, but we don't have times so we're playing mobile games. So we have a little extra money because we just haven't bought as many console games because we know we can't play them. So I think we fall into a little pocket where we're like, okay, I can put in five bucks to this stupid game. Yeah. The funny part is that you know, SSX has uh, microtransactions in it. Oh, God. It's uh, you... pretty pointless, though. Oh, oh, that's that's mean. Can you buy yeah. like, hair dye or something like that? Change no, okay, so you can't dress up your character hardly at all, which I thought was a big step backwards from the other games, uh, at least SSX 3. But, yeah, you'd buy, uh, I don't know, you buy money, and then you spend the money on, like, stupid gear boosts that seemed mostly pretty negligible. So uh, it, it was pretty clearly that clearly the case that someone up high said, "Hey, we got to get some, <laughs> yeah. got to milk these suckers," and the developers were like, "Well, we can throw this in." I'd also like to see how the statistics on that work out. Yeah, I, I, I would hope not very well. Uh, this just seems so mean to to have a, a fully priced game also have microtransactions. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of against that in the SSX approach. I guess Port, Portal Two did that too, but it, what did they have there? You could pay. They're for like get more robot money. animations or something. Well, you yeah. get at least in the case of SSX, you got so little out of your money. Sure. Hmm. It it all depends on how it really impacts gameplay. Like I got no problem with a game like SSX letting you buy, for instance, hairstyles or different jackets or something. Yeah. Yeah, from from microtransaction standpoint, I don't care about that stuff. Or if, you know, they do the, you know, more releases of new mountains or, I don't know, different skins for your 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 ski, your your board or whatever. But yeah. um, if it actually comes to some sort of fundamental game aspect, then... Yeah, sure. Isn't that what you paid your original 60 right. bucks for? Exactly. Oh, well. All right. Well, before we get into the GDC talk, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what happened at the last meeting. So we can go relatively quick. Um, we had two pretty big presentations, I thought. So the first one was a, a member project from. Um, where are they from, Zach? MSB. Minnesota, Minnesota School. School of Business. Yeah. Business, yeah. So there was um, five or six students that presented their their project. They called it Tag. So it was sort of a. Plants vs. Zombies style 
in three dimensions graphics anyway um, style uh, fight board where you sent out miners and, and stuff they were really enthusiastic about it I will give them that yeah yeah well, and, it, I mean their project you know it came together as a more or less complete game so that's the first step a lot of people don't make it to that point so that's encouraging to see yeah, and I've actually heard that happens relatively infrequently. And, I mean, I can understand you have so many classes you're doing, so it's hard to put in the extra time. So, it, for anybody that's put a game out, it, it may not seem like such a big milestone, but I think I think it really it really is. It was it, playable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they, of course, listed a lot of things that they wished they had done or wanted to do or more things to do, but it was playable. And... Um, I, you know, I've got a degree from DeVry in game, uh, game programming or whatever, and I, there was numerous groups in my classes that did not even have that, so yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is an achievement. Uh, and it's nice to see, you know, the, the young and, and or enthusiastic. That's true. About, about their, their projects like that, so. And interesting how everybody kind of falls into their specific roles. Yeah. Um, the other uh, pretty interesting presentation was a, a gentleman named Dustin Smither from Warp, Warp the Form, and he presented a 3D virtual tabletop. So, And it was like I had had some conversations with people about what that actually was or was going to be or is because it, it, it seemed really weird. Like the word 3D in there um, made it sound like you were going to have a, de- a tabletop with, and you'd be wearing glasses. <laughs> You know, and like that, that oh, yeah, I see what you mean. augmented reality thing. That's what I was thinking it was at first. But uh, the best way I could describe it was it was a, a board game sharing sort of online platform that allowed you to do um, virtual to, to play table go- ta- To play a tabletop game remotely. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's open enough where you could play chess or checkers. You just sort of you and your buddies... And you have to conform the rules and stuff and then abide by them, just like you would if you're playing a tabletop game with somebody. But the big benefit of, in their case is that it's got all the graphics and the, and the, the cool stuff of, of uh, models and other additional things and design of, of actually making um, what might be fantasy in certain role-playing games uh, or tabletop games could now be visually engaged. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I played around with it and downloaded it, and I'm actually uh, really impressed. And I just feel like there's so much potential in this in this item, and they're they're working on it, and it's in in beta. And so it's myvirtualtable.com. Go check it out, download it, leave your feedback, and there's a, eventually going to be a model store that's completely secure, so that people can sell models. And so they uh, they take a little cut, but you know, for the most part, you you just be putting your stuff up there, and there's many safeguards so that your models don't get ripped off, and only people that buy them can use them um, or share them during a session. But it's shared temporarily and securely, and there apparently will be audio in the future too. So I got to give two thumbs up for that. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was real interesting that that the the potential there. Yeah. From a like a artist or content creator slash you know game player or something like that 
and also the, the additional legal ramifications that could come out of that as a potential problem. So sure, yeah. Um, like I don't know, and he even mentioned that that, and I can't remember which two game books he held up where one was like, yeah, it's open and okay, and the other one it's not at all. And um, the idea of you know if you want to play a Warhammer esque type game, for instance, if you could actually have Warhammer esque models, or if they fall under that that copyright infringement sure that, that they don't allow or what they probably don't really don't allow is the you you or somebody else making profit off of something like that sure yeah but it'll be interesting to see how that sort of stuff plays out because there is a good balance in there somewhere i'm sure yeah and and actually another really interesting thing too is that um it doesn't just need to be used for board games. It could also be used for prototyping um, levels or kind of anything that you like. So it, it's it's really, really open. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. And you can import your own models that you make. So it's, yeah, it's pretty is cool. It, is it pretty easy to do that? Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you can just essentially drop them in there. Um, trying to remember, it starts with the C, the model type. Uh, you can exp- format. Yep. yep. Yeah, Colada. Yeah. So, yeah. So you can make whatever you want and plop it in there. The universal format that only works some of the time in some of the applications. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have all right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, is it browser or is it? I mean, I know it's Unity, so it can be browser. But I mean, are you playing it through browser or is it? It's it's client based. So you download a. Uh, uh, a client. Oh, okay. I was wondering for some of the advanced networking stuff they're doing, if it would work in a browser or not. Oh, yeah, good question. Well, kinda... they said they said they they did want to push it to mobile, so. Um, they yeah. wouldn't. They wouldn't have file system access to load some of the stuff that they're loading, though, from the oh, web okay. browser. Gotcha. Yeah, it gets real. Although you know they could do it, yeah. you know, over HTTP in, in some cases. And they and they did kind of built in the, their own kind of asset streaming so that you can share, you know, I've got the this specific model that you don't have, and for this game you get to see it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I had asked him uh, after the talk was how the, how they got Unity to import models, and uh, they ended up writing their own Colada loader mm. in, in Unity. I wonder if they That's got it off the. The Unity uh, wiki page, Colada. I bet you they started there. There's an open source code of importers. I have a Colada importer exporter that I use at work, and it came from the... Ah, I see. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that. Could be. And I, and I joked earlier about Colada. You know, it is one of these it XML format, right? But, like, everything, there's so much stuff that... And versions of Colada that you could get a Colada file and then it, you can't open it anywhere, or at least not in the software you have because it doesn't conform the same way. Mm. But but that's that's the internet for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I do like that format. It's at least readable. Have you played with anybody? with it um tori no i haven't i haven't 
so I was just kind of fooling around. Cool. Yeah. All right. All my friends are having babies, so I. uh... (laughs) You're missing out. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like an awful game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played that one yet. I don't I don't intend to anytime too soon. But uh yeah. The first part's fun. <laughs> <laughs> With the prototyping or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but an eighteen year long grind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> well, the last part of the meeting uh, segues well into our main discussion because uh, we just sort of had a a GDC discussion, open forum kind of thing. So, um, so does anybody want to like discuss what actually GDC is? So, other than Game Developers Conference, of course. Go for it, Zach. Well, it was my first time going there. Um... I've gone to SIGGRAPH for a long, long time. And so everything I expected and everything that was different is kind of from the lens of that, you know, comparing it to SIGGRAPH. But, uh, um, you know, basically all the game developers get together in San Francisco uh, every year. It doesn't move around like some conferences, such as SIGGRAPH. And um, uh, tons of people from all over the U.S. and a lot of people from Japan as well. Um, And, you know, obviously around the globe. Those are kind of the big, the big groups, and um, it's everything you could possibly imagine, all the way from um, you know tutorials for programmers to uh, you know just in-depth kind of art design things to psych- psychology things, uh, talking about you know motivation and and how that can apply to games and so on. How to get um, people to purchase your microtransactions. <laughs> I was a little bit turned off by the amount of that that was there, but there was like, there's so much that you can, you know, exclude entire sections like that and still have three things per session that you wish you could go to. Yeah, so this, I mean, I didn't get to go. Um, it, it, in looking at it, you know, in more depth, it, it it's way different than I, what I thought it was. And it sounds like, what you're describing is they have this thing called tracks. So they've got an audio track, a business and marketing track, game design, AI, programming. You know, it, it sounds like whatever your interest might be in game development, you can really kind of latch on to at what would be the game development conference. So it's, I mean, did yeah. you... And, and whatever your interest is, there's, you know, a thousand people who share that interest. Mm, sure. And if so, you're... If you're interested in games or playing games, it, the the odd thing is like something that totally doesn't apply to what you work on. So I work on programming and wish it was only graphics. But you know some of these game design things that I ended up getting into um, were some of my favorites. It's just kind of a different perspective, and it's of course by somebody that really knows what they're talking about. Yeah, I had um, you know my experience. I've seen numerous trade shows but none none of this kind of variety and i every trade show i've been into has really been kind of about selling something this this i wouldn't call a trade show yeah it's a conference and it seems like a conference 
for the attendees, like for the target audience to to share and to network and everything. Like it's actually it, from the looks, it's like this legitimate just excitedness about game development. Like it's almost you don't hear any really large or, or weird announcements generally. It's sort of not a norm. Like I know the only one of the only announcements I've I really heard that was sort of a kind of a big deal was the SimCity announcement. Um, yeah, it, by by and large, people are just pretty much there to share what they know about games, and they're generally pretty open about sharing their experience and what they've learned. So it's it's a it's mainly a place to learn. The expo has a little bit of that. Uh, you know, here's some stuff we want to sell you vibe going on. But that's just, you know, part of the show. Yeah. And it also, of course, doesn't get the same sort of news or media coverage as, as all the tutorials and discussions and presentations and roundtables and yeah, whatever else they have going on. The other thing that's uh, good to mention is that they've got their uh, business center sort of place where... Uh, um, people who would like to enter the industry, a lot of students, for example, can just show up and hand out resumes and try to get an industry job at you know the big name places. So that's a really good opportunity if if that's what you're looking for doing. Yeah, GDC is the place to go to get a job. <laughs> a fr- uh, a friend from when I was going to school for my game programming degree went to GDC and they had a resume. And they handed it to, I can't remember, the Bioware or whoever they were really excited about. Yeah. And they actually, they actually got a call back because they wanted to know the guy's programming experience. Because his resume, he forgot to put programming experience. <laughs> and, they, and he's like, you know, why did you call me back? And the guy said, well, it turns out that people that, that are really confident about certain skills, sometimes they don't list them. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I think he ended up interning. Oh, um, good for him. There was something on there, of course, that, that still made him interesting or whatever, but it was it was an interesting story. Yeah. Andy, how many times have you gone? Uh, this was my uh, third year, I believe. Yeah. Three in so, a row? or? Yep, three in a row. So we just uh, keep going. Kind of the big motivation for us is... Uh, you know, networking and getting industry contacts. So, you know, all the real business at GDC happens after the after the talks in the evenings, um, parties, you know, going to lunch or dinner with somebody and, you know, actually meeting face-to-face someone that you've only talked to online. You know, that's where you, the real action happens, at least for us. Um, and, uh, Especially in in the iOS market, you know, we're trying to show people Chipmunk. Um, the Touch Arcade party happens, and basically what that is is uh, the Touch Arcade guys sponsor drinks at the Marriott Bar, and uh, everybody in that hotel lobby is, you know, an independent iOS developer, mm-hmm. and they've all got, you know, they'll show you your game, you'll tell them about your what you've done, and you know, they're all just happy to talk to anyone. So that's uh, those kind of parties are just fantastic opportunities. Sounds like fun. So that I mean that's definitely one of the things that I'd recommend if you're interested in those sorts of things is to do your homework and find out what the parties are and make sure uh, you've got them all scheduled. 
because yeah, you'll be. I mean, we're busy. You know, you got something going on nonstop. We didn't have time for uh, touristy stuff or anything like that when we were down there. And the uh, the other thing that's nice that I think a lot of people don't realize is that. Uh, so the cheap tickets will get you into the expo, but not all the talks. And obviously oh. the parties, you know, you just show up. But the expo is kind of, you know, Intel will have a booth, uh, something like, like Ninten Nintendo has a booth, and their booth is mostly, hey, come play games that are on the 3DS. Which, you know, is probably not why you flew down to California. <laughs> it's kind of oh, fun, man. but... Where else can you do that? Yeah, right. <laughs> GameStop? I don't know. <laughs> uh, but there's always somebody at the booth who's got, who's, you know, an expert in the field and someone there who's got some real technical knowledge. And uh, you can sit down and talk to them. And, you know, chances are that they're bored because they're just there to hand out swag to people. So yeah. when they do get a chance to talk to someone who's, you know, interested in what they're technically doing, then they're really excited and they're happy to share all kinds of information. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I will. I will second that. Being uh, someone who has run a booth for something, <laughs> it it the the days can be long and dull, and you'll see a lot of that sort of, you know, people who aren't interested, but they do want your sure. your garbage. Yeah. yeah. But when you actually get somebody who cares and they talk to you about it, it's 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 definitely uh, very very much very engaging. Yeah, the like the NVIDIA guys that were just kind of standing around by their demos, you know, ask them a couple questions, and they'll tell you all about how they implemented their, uh, you know, hardware um, <laughs> hardware physics stuff, you know, how they do the broad phase searches and things, you know, information like that. It's just, you just can't get that anywhere else. You, so, you know you're doing a good job yeah. if you can get them off, off task, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, wait, let me see if I have this demo, and they pull out something that doesn't quite work right. But they're still really excited about it, <laughs> right? And I mean, you can learn some really cool stuff. And we talked That's... to the Power VR guys about the, you know, some issues we had with the PVRTC compression on the iOS platforms, and they told us all about the second version that's coming up. So, oh wow, we're looking forward to that. It takes care of some of those uh, artifacts you get along the edges of the PVRTC textures. Which, if you do like a sprite sheet or something, you know that's the bane of your existence. Yeah. Ugh. So, uh, yeah, talk to the people at the booths. They're they're happy to tell you interesting stuff. So, did you did you get into the full GDC or did you just do the expo? And you buy the, the cheap tickets. Yeah, uh, right, so you didn't get to see the talks or anything. But you got the uh, the indie ticket, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. This year they did something new, which was the indie tickets, which were like. For less than a thousand dollars, you can uh, go to the two days of indie talks, and those were the ones that we are the most interested in, and a lot of the people spoke really highly of. So, uh, as the best talks for those days, oh, cool. so we got to see some of those, which is basically you know the famous people or uh, last year's IGF winners talking about their games. So who did you get to see from uh, from that indie side there? Um, not too good with names. Zach, do you remember? I didn't go to any of those, actually. Uh, um, the Sword and Sorcery guys were there. Um, they had one of the one of the better talks. 
Um, there was like the pony corns guy who just kind of uh, I don't I don't know. He made he made his he and his daughter made a game and it was uh, kind of just talking about the experience of having that go absolutely viral. On hey, I made a game and people like it. And yeah, that's why. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now I'm gonna try to tell sell T-shirts. Pony corns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It definitely was a lovely story. So. Yeah. Um, so that and you know, like the Fez guy gave a talk. Um, and he was the IGF again. Yep, won the big the big winner there. Again. Again. <laughs> Game's still not out. <laughs> might be Santa, better off. Might be better off not the... to release it. Just keep winning the award. Like, no, <laughs> they made a they made a new rule this year. Is you can't come back next year. Oh, they did year. make that rule. They finally did. Yeah. Well, good. Fez two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The original still not out. But that that's an interesting thing that we can talk about on itself. The fact that people who win IGF awards tend not to release their games. <laughs> uh, kind of mysterious. Well, Minecraft won last year, didn't it? Minecraft was already out by the time it won. It had just come out, though, right? Wasn't it a year no, ago? No, no, no. I mean, well, like a year. Yeah. No, that's... I mean, it was it was playable, of course, but it wasn't officially released. Oh, well, okay. Well, see, I, okay, I don't really buy that, like, oh, yeah. now it's finally 1.0 thing. Like, no, that... The game was more finished than most, you know, EA games are at that point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I, I consider it released well before. Yeah, yeah, right. You know. It was in beta. As, whereas a lot of the other games, you know, they were available for judging, but they, you know, you can't get them. You can't download them anywhere in alpha, beta, or any form. Yeah, and and then they become that measure of popularity for polish. You know, and all that too. I yeah. imagine it could really change your outlook of how you would deliver your game. Well, what seems to happen is you win the IGF, and Microsoft shows up and says, <laughs> "I'll give you a boatload of money if you take your game and make it not a PC game, but make it an Xbox Live exclusive game." So then they uh, rewrite the game for, you know, your console, which is basically a total scrap it and start over in many cases. And, uh, you know, it adds two years to the development cycle. <laughs> and then they show, hey, could you think you can put Connect in there? <laughs> right, yeah. So that appears to have happened in more than one situation. Or also, in the case of, like, Cortex Command, uh, you made so much money after it got to be an iOS or uh, IGF finalist that you don't really work on it anymore. Really? It's <laughs> great. <laughs> Has anybody played Cortex Command? Yeah, I was following that one before uh, I got that name. It had a different name. I forget what it was called. Um, and uh, there wasn't any game there other than this guy you can barely control, you know, digging away at the dirt. And, and then exploding into blood chunks. And it was really yep. great. I swear I got a demo of that out of like an, an Humble Bundle or something. Nope, that's the real game. That's that's the full game. Yeah, that's no, it didn't. It's, they just added caves and, and rockets. and yeah. And Boy, that was a frustrating story. game. I was wondering if I was just playing it wrong. 
if you work at it, it's playable. Um, it's just it's just unfortunate that you know like a lot of people bought it under the expectation that it would be continued to develop continue to be developed at the same pace that it was going. In which case, you know, you'd expect a lot more out of it coming up in the next couple months, but it turned out not to be the case. Alright. Well, um, what's, like, the neatest thing you saw there? Like, what, like, for somebody who didn't experience anything of it, other than the, the parties and the meeting people, and, you know, what's, like, some cool experiences that you, that you pulled out of it? Uh, well, as far as like flashy stuff, on the expo floor they do a lot of tech demos and they show off uh, some pretty cool like motion capture stuff that seems a lot better than the motion capture I've seen. Uh, <laughs> so there, there, there's some flashy stuff like that, but the main thing that really sticks with you is the fact that you can walk into a room and everybody, you know, you've got something to say to everybody and they're all really cool. I don't know, what about you, Zach? It was your first year. Yeah, it'd be hard to pick one thing. Um, the probably the craziest thing um, was um, I, I went to. Uh, I was trying to kind of maximize my time because that's what I do when I drop eight hundred dollars on some uh, <laughs> classes. Is uh, attend yeah. every one of them. Um, but uh, it was towards the end of the day when they they towards the end of the day towards the end of the week. Uh, they start to put kind of the more niche stuff in there because people stop hanging around a little bit. But it was uh, um, basically math, uh, something called Grassman Algebra. And I walked out of there and uh, ran into you guys, ran into Scott, who's way more math smart than I am, and said a bunch of funny words at him, and he didn't know what I was talking about either. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, he... Uh, this is um, kind of the main programmer slash architect math guy for the C4 engine, which is something I hadn't heard of before either. But actually on the flight there, I saw it won one of those uh, GDC Frontline Awards, which mm. I'm not sure. I, I don't really have background on, on you know how those things happen or how often they get rigged or don't get rigged. But uh, um, I've read about it since then, and it seems really well architected. So it'd be interesting to see if it gets some traction. It's obviously a real competitive thing to be, try to you know sell an engine. Sure. For people. Um, and the other one that left a big impression was um, I've I've never seen any Unity stuff. Um, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you guys did Did you ever try to test your pass to get into those sponsored sessions? Oh yeah, we did the first year. Okay. They they watch. <laughs> they're they're on the ball about it. Oh, uh, so I think there may, may be some limits. Oh, but... oh, sorry, not not the sponsors. We tried to okay. sneak into ones that we weren't allowed. To. Oh no, yeah, uh, they're the all sponsor sessions tend to be really crowded. So that's true. Yeah. So this it. Unity was a great example of that. It's like, hey, would you like to stand in the back or stay in line until uh, some people leave the room? But um, just to see how much stuff there's there they've bought and they're shoving in to the engine and they seem less shy than a lot of people about uh, showing technology previews and I guess they're not a public company and they don't have to worry about you know all the rules around that showing things that might or might not happen but uh, they've got all these um, inverse kinematics engines coming in there and really nice looking uh, animation blending and mocap cleanup kind of the, the minimal set of 
uh, stuff that you need for games. So, you know, throw out all the stuff that the animation guys and the movie people are going to need. This is just getting your walk cycle to work work well from a mocap set of data. Um, that was pretty impressive. And then, um, then, then just stuff that I would never have any chance of reading about anywhere, like um, hearing how the... Uh, the double fine once upon a monster the sesame street game for connect how that moved through its kind of life cycle into into pitch and into product and and then the, hearing all the fun stories about what it's like to run um focus sessions with uh, small children <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't remember the guy's name but uh he started out really great uh, his first slide was that he, you know i'm the best game designer ever and then People laughed at him for a while, and then he said, "No, it's true. Uh, you know, everybody knows that if a game can teach you to cry or cause you to cry, you know, then it's it's really touched <laughs> you, and it's the pinnacle of uh, game design." And then he cuts to a scene of a little girl just just bawling <laughs> <laughs> in one of their play tests. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it, it's fun to kind of hear that and and hear how they had uh, totally adapt everything. There, you know, they. Double Fine comes from kind of the hardcore side, the challenge. You know, games are about challenge. Um, and they ended up, by the end, with something that, basically, if you're standing there and you're moving, you can't fail it. Um, but if you actually are the older sibling or something, uh, you know, there's, like, bonus challenges for you to do. And you see that everywhere. Angry Birds, you know, three stars instead of one star and, and that kind of thing. That's the new way of doing games, I think. Um, and then they also had some great clips of, uh, you know, Cookie Monsters telling you to flap your arms. And if you're an adult, you, you know, you pivot from the shoulders and do big flaps. And if you're a kid, you just uh, attach your wrist to your shoulder and just wiggle your hand in the air. And Kinect doesn't like that quite as much. <laughs> Can't quite tell what you're doing. Um, just seeing the wide variation of all the uh, developmental things that kids go through at the young age there. You know, there's just this huge range of... of uh, abilities essentially. So that's that's an example of something as a graphics programmer I would not have had any exposure to whatsoever. I didn't go to GDC. That's neat. And uh, I, I was thinking um, might be good to just give a little bit of practical advice and ways to save money because it's uh, yeah it's steep. Now obviously splitting the hotel it's kind of a no brainer. Um, I was also there, you know, a little bit, you know, acting as, you know, IGDA Twin Cities chapter guy and talking to some of the folks from the national groups and from other chapters around the world. Um, but on these along the lines of the hotel, what uh, some of the people from Chicago did was uh, they bought a really big suite with like, you know, two rooms and then they jammed like five or six people into it. I don't even know how many people were in there. Um, so you pay pay double, but then you put in four times as many people, and uh, oh, sure. comes out okay if people don't mind laying on the floor or the couch or the sleeping bag or what have you. And um, you don't tell the uh, uh-huh. hotel that you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. We need two cots just because we like the look of cots. <laughs> yeah. Because we're conducting business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the hour. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, and then, you know, uh, San Francisco is a real city. It's not like L.A. It's not like some of these other places where you're trapped eating overpriced uh, 
uh, convention food. You just you just walk a block, and there's a mall, and you walk a block the other direction, and there's a different mall. Um, and then, you know, kind of weighing the pros and cons of getting a cheap pass versus a the, the ginormous pass. I mean, you can do an awful lot uh, with the cheap passes from just uh, you know getting around and socializing and. Uh, like Andy was saying, all the tips about going to parties and meeting up with people and and that kind of thing. Did you do the cheap pass, Zach? I had the actual opposite problem. Um, I I just they they ran these promotions way back in like December. It was sometime over Christmas break where they're like, hey, holiday discount, you know, many dollars off. And so based on what I knew about Sigraph, I picked the second highest one. Okay. And the, and the way it breaks down at GDC, there's basically two days at the front for what they call summits and tutorials. Yep. Um, and, and that you can buy separate. And then there's the next, I guess, two or three days for the kind of the main conference or the sessions. And that's also the same time that the expo is going on. And so I bought that one to just get into those. And then, uh, so this is December and then around, I don't know when, February or something, they finally get around to publishing the schedules. And I'm like, wow, I don't have anything to do on Monday and Tuesday. Wish I didn't have a hotel and a plane ticket. Um, but I was lucky enough to know people down there. So uh, I hopped a train and went over to uh, Pixar and checked that oh, out. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and the, the different levels of tickets that offer distinctions between you can go to t- tutorials but not summits and things like that. Uh, what co- Whatever constitutes a tutorial on summit has never been clear to me. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You can just kind of say, okay, I'll go to the randomly chosen half of them, but <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a tough call to see it could, because the, I don't know how much more is the all access than just the summits or just the tutorials. Well, I want to say it was, uh, upwards of like $1,200. And then, uh, the one I got was around 800. I think normally I got it for you yeah, know, okay. 600 with a discount. Um, and then some of those cheaper ones were down around two, three hundred, weren't they? The yeah, the Expo Pass is one eighty five, and the Indie Pass was three hundred or something like yeah. that. that and then right. it, then yeah. it's a big jump to the next one. Um, and um, oh yeah, so the rest of the story there. So actually, is on the way back from Pixar. There's another random guy in the train from Belgium that was visiting a friend there, and he's the one who told me that I can go to the sponsored sessions. So. Uh, there's this little moniker um, on certain sessions that means, you know, Intel paid for this or NVIDIA paid for this, and that means anybody can get into them. Oh. Um, funnily enough, not all the uh, volunteers manning the doors knew that until, like, the second or third day. So that oh, weird. led to some incidents. <laughs> <laughs> with, with you? or I kept my cool, but there's one guy that was going to pounce on me on the top of the head because, um, and he was, like, six foot four. Um, because he had walked out of the room during a break and they wouldn't let him back in (laughs) (laughs) and it was a different round of people, you know, that they rotate through and these are just, you know, college students, kids, and, uh, they have to go through the little walkie talkie escalation procedures before they can let people in. (laughs) It's pretty funny. And by that point, of course, all the seats were gone. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh. Definitely encourage you know people to try to make it work and um, 
you know, and I've done this at SIGGRAPH too, where I, I'd spent one year sleeping on the floor between two beds. Um, you're just not there that much, and you're so tired uh, that it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, we, you, if you book on Expedia, there are a couple hotels pretty close that are ridiculously cheap. I, I don't know quite why it happened that way, but we got our, our, our hotel plus airline tickets was a very small, very only slightly more than just the airline tickets. So, oh wow, nice. We've been doing that at the same hotel each each year. Which one? Uh, the Adante. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And there was no uh, stabbings or diseases nope. or uh, yeah, bed bugs. Generally nice enough. Yeah. The first year we saved even more money by staying like 10 miles away down by the airport <laughs> and taking the train up. Uh, that kind of sucks because if you miss the train, it only comes every 30 minutes. Mm, yeah. uh, but it's a big train, so that's kind of cool. I get to ride on it. <laughs> Uh, and the other disadvantage is, oh, well, I got to leave this party now because if we miss the last oh, train, sure. we're boned. And then you're probably schlepping around your gear the whole night, too, and your laptops and backpacks. And... Right. And, you know, there's so many homeless people there. You'd have to. You got, you got to pay for the train, too. Seats. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, but it's better to stay downtown. Stay within walking distance of the convention. There's like 600 hotels within five blocks. Yeah. Well, where I work, we went to a conference one year, and um, the the rule made us, we had to stay like five, six miles away from the conference. <laughs> because the, because that's, that's where the price hit the per diem amount or whatever. Uh, but then, but then what they didn't list was this. This was a resort, so it had resort fees on top, which then pushed oh. it over. And then we had to take a taxi every day there and back. Yeah. Or the, or the shuttle, which we're like, what? Well, you know, you don't have time for a shuttle most times. It was. I would strongly always recommend just get close because it's nice for the convenience, and for those other little things of of. Of, like yeah. you say, not having to leave and having some freedom to to not have to worry. Yep. You know, too many vodkas out of a ice statue, for <laughs> instance. Right, and that kind of stuff. And they've got free drinks basically every night, so you got to be on the ball, watch <laughs> your drinkings. That's, a, that's <laughs> probably a good uh, amateur tip, is, uh, or young, young person tip, is... Uh, yeah, the booze is free, but you paid hundreds of dollars for that thing that's happening in the morning. Right. Yep. <laughs> oh, and, by the way, people might notice if you if you're drunk. Yeah, nah. All right. Well, is there anything that you guys uh, missed that you wish you would have seen or done? I'm sure there's tons of it, but like. Yeah, and then oh, that's a good point too. Is a lot of it ends up online. Quite a bit free. Uh, some of it, they um, put in what they call the GDC vault, where only the full conference holders have a login. But, you know, the individual presenter probably put it on their blog, so if you hunt hard enough, you can probably find it. Yeah. The uh, My one regret was um, uh, I'm a Double Fine fanboy, and they had one session that was them talking about this. So... Their last big game was, um, oh shoot, what's it called? The, the heavy metal. Uh, 
Oh, Br- Brutal Legend. Brutal Legend, yeah. The Jack Black, amazing open world with a uh, very questionable real-time strategy built in. Um, <laughs> but uh, Brutal Legend 2 got canceled, and then they're like, oh, geez, I don't want to fire everybody. Um, so they did uh, they did this game prototyping session a little bit earlier for two weeks. And uh, I think they had four or five teams, and three of those actually ended up getting published. One was the oh, wow. Once Upon a Monster. Stacking, right? Stacking, yeah, that's an amazing, like, how did that get published? Um, and then um, <laughs> the, the mech game, right? It used to be called Trenched, and they had to t- change the name for Europe. I forget what it's called now. Oh, really? It's not Trenched anymore? No, that exists in Europe as a board game. Oh, so. Well, but we know I it bought... as Trenched. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it had like a, a strange second name, like Trenched Tides of War or something. You know, I don't remember what it was. but And um, and so that was one session, and um, I was uh, pretty weary. And uh, uh, Marty, who was the guy I split a room with, um, had a hot tip on Sony giving away a, a boatload of uh, hardware at this particular session, so... I didn't feel like walking all the way across again, and I just went and sat in there. And what did you get? What what hardware did you get? I ended up with no hardware. Oh. <laughs> oh. And see, I missed Tim Schafer. But the year uh, before, we got tablet computers, really fancy tablet computers from Intel for their Amigo platform. That's right. You told can. that story, yeah. Yeah. How'd that turn out? Uh... They gave away like a million dollars worth of these fancy wow. tablets, and they came with Windows 7 license, and then they came with a pre-installed beta of Mego, which is their Linux-based operating system that connects directly to their store, their iOS store, and you buy tablet applications, and uh, it crashed pretty hard, like all <laughs> those other products you can think of that no one bought. Um yeah, I don't know. It looked cool. The hardware was really nice. Never used it. You know, we were going to make games for it, but it was kind of clear that it yeah, wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Alas. So, I got tablets. <laughs> <laughs> tablets with nothing on, nothing on them? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could put whatever. Well, I meant there's no market of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny in a way too. I mean, uh, hardware's getting awful cheap now. If uh, you don't need the brand new thing. Yeah, isn't that like sort of the ultimate way it's going to go though, where it's not the the hardware that's the expensive part? It's the marketing. It's the ultimately it's the software that what you have on it. Were you happy to be done? Um, it's exhausting. It, yeah, it's really exhausting. I was glad to be home and rest a little bit afterwards. But pretty much everybody also, you know, has the experience that you know it's really invigorating and inspiring, and they want to go home and make a game. But we had contracts to do <laughs> when we got home. Yeah, yeah. I spent a lot of time looking at you know the news afterwards. Um, but, Especially, like, specifically for the podcast, too, to, like, remind myself of all the stuff that happened. And it's really hard to, like, latch on to something specific. You know what yeah. I mean? It's because it's all kind of, like, interesting in its own way, but not, like, a giant 
story. It's like really an experience of, of something. I can really feel that. Yeah, there's just way too much going on, and it's just all concentrated into three or four days. Yeah, and I think it, being that it's a uh, conference for developers, by developers and stuff, you can't, you can't really sum it up in, in that marketing way of, of something, you know? So what? There was, there was that um, couple of years where the big publishers tried to co-op GDC to do, you know, their, their big announcements. Were you there for any of those, Andy? Any of those years? Uh, not really. Yeah, I think that was a little earlier. But basically, after E3 imploded, they're like, oh, GDC is the other one. Let's get them. <laughs> and, um, I, I heard some bad things about those. It was basically two years where they tried to turn it into a marketing and publisher event. It's just not the right market. Right. Yeah. It, it happens for the iOS games, but, I mean, that's a different market, so nobody really minds. You know, the indie developers launch their game because they get to meet with... Uh, Touch Arcade guys or the whoever else, um, but that's all in the indie scene, so it's yeah. kind of a different situation. They're not giving keynotes, that's for sure. Awesome guys. Well, thanks for sharing. Sure. Yeah. Thanks you, for having me on. You both planning on doing it again next year? I think so. Yep, we'll be there again. Oh, real quick, what's what's uh, going to be next meeting? Oh yeah, so um, that's <laughs> as of right now. That's <laughs> forty-eight hours away, minus a few. Um, main speaker is Big John Games, and uh, like they tend to do, um, they've got a variety of things they're going to talk about. Um, actually, one of them was the thing I was kind of working on uh, from November on through uh, January, February-ish, and um, they they had a. Uh, uh, number one downloadable WiiWare game, um, a oh. fishing game called Big Bass Arcade, and they wanted to port that to a retail release, so they were beefing it up, and um, I helped out by adding kind of a challenge mode. Um, and so that'll be one thing. The other one um, is a DS downloadable game, and actually know firsthand how horrible the DS hardware is uh, for math. <laughs> All right, got, yeah. 3D textures. That's why I was impressed that somebody ported the physics engine. Yeah, when they ported Chipmunk, it all used ints. There were yeah, no fixed points, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is, um, they call it Cart Crashers. It's, uh, their elevator pitch is it's a vehicle platformer, which doesn't really help because nobody's ever played one of those. But um, that's kind of what it is. You're driving around and, and jumping and trying to get to different parts of the level. And um, but it's it's got 3D on the DS and everything's textured and uh, it's pretty impressive from a technical point of view. On the DSi. And then a, a 3DS game, which is the roller coaster game that uh, is still in development, but uh, it's got kind of the most amazing, uh, quick and intuitive level editor I've I've seen for anything that that technical and interactive. Okay. It's pretty neat. Is that something Matt made? Yep. Yep. He was working on that. He didn't have to work on any fishing except when I had dumb questions for him. <laughs> He's like, oh, he... boy, let me think back two months. Uh, I don't know. Is he going to present <laughs> anything about the the thing you mentioned there? The the roller coaster game? Yep. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yep. And um, and then we have a uh, – we, we have another um, member project 
Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name. I'm going to have to pull it up real quick. But uh, essentially, this is something he's been working on for a while, like I want to say almost eight years or something like that. Um, and it's essentially kind of a platformer with a story. So uh, here, me, the, the name of the company is Pudding Hat Games, and um, the game is called uh, Core of Innocence, and Don James is the main guy there. Be doing most of the talking, and they did a small uh, Kickstarter campaign, which seems to be the cool thing to do these days. So, yeah, it'll be good. Excellent. I know. All right. Well, I think we can call it done. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, right. uh, Zach. Thanks, sure. Andy, for being with us today. Yeah, you bet. Let's. Well, listeners, thank you for listening to us for the fourteenth episode in a row. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and thank you to our guy in South Dakota au revoir yeah see y'all in a couple nights absolutely (laughs) see you around thanks for joining us Bye. bye bye Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, I don't know where you're going. Sorry, dude. The deals. No, no, no. Like uh, exclusive. There we go. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Fill in the blank of what's important. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this game. <laughs> you're going to have to cut that, Tori. <laughs>